tonight. Welcome to the Housecast. Once again, we're recording like there's no tomorrow. We're really enjoying it. We've got a fantastic guest on tonight. We've got three of us uh, who are hosting, uh, hosting and presenting this. I'm Jez, ex-Lower Ice player. We've got Joe Benaducci with us, first captain to win the Lancashire League with Lower House. How are you doing, Dooch? All right, thank you, Jez. How are you? Yeah, yeah, we're fine. Yeah, we're... Uh, the weather's helping out massively. Uh, anything more to report from your new usual walks and the old game of golf? Uh, I bumped into another uh, house super fan this week. All right. Paul Argreaves. Paul Argreaves. He's uh, he's listening to the podcasts um, and enjoying them. So a shout out to Paul. Yeah, brilliant. That's good. And there has been, you know, I mentioned it now. We've had a lot of feedback from various people. You know, the vast majority of it is is really good, and I'd like to keep encouraging that that feedback if people think that the show's too short or if you think it's too long then please uh hollow and we'll try and maybe reduce them a little bit or put them into two parts but uh no, it's good to hear we've also got gary Morehouse down on the south coast how are you going guys yeah great jess thanks yeah um back to work today so um bit of, bit of a dilemma with a with an online shop supposed to be 150 quids worth of uh, food rocking up and we got about 40 quid's worth. So we've, uh, the tea we're interesting. Oh, I bet. I bet. I'm sure <laughs> you busted something together. Well, the 40 quid was all the cleaning products. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> you could make so I've done a Donald Trump, done a Donald Trump and drunk a bit of bleach. Don't, don't do that at home, listeners. <laughs> good lad, good lad. Joe Martin, you're, uh, you're with us now. You're working so hard. I've, I've been noticing. How are you going, Joe? I'm, I'm all right. Yeah, not too bad. I mean, if you could enlighten me on what I'm working hard on, that'd be great. <laughs> um, but, but uh, yeah, no, I'm all right. Yeah, every not too time, bad. Every time we try to give you a little task or something, you tell them you're working. I'm at school. I'm at school. So um, yeah, well, that's uh, that's finished now. Right. Um, Anything else to report? You, uh, how's Paddy's uh, guitar lessons going? Uh, really well. We're on to um, Hey Soul Sister this week, so I think that's a bit more. I think it's a bit more pop folky. I might put a waistcoat on to sing that one. That'd be good. Uh, if you and Paddy, at the end of this podcast and the end of the lockdown, could do a duo, that would be with dynamite. Well, there are, there are. I guess there are plans in place. Why uh, we, we could do some kind of record. <laughs> we could do some kind of recording. I might even get dressed in an old James Bond outfit, belt uh, one out from top way. of the steps. Thank you to our three sponsors for supporting our podcast. John Russell's Art Caterers and Milltown Pies, who offer fantastic catering services. Alexander Grace Law, who provide modern and client-led legal services. And SBE Furnishings, who offer high-quality furnishings and electrical items at fantastic prices. Young Joe Martin, I can't wait. Anyway, now on to our <laughs> guest. This evening's guest is an ex-Lancashire cricket club, professional cricketer. He's a fantastic friend at Law House. Uh, he's played for us for 82 games um, after his first class career ended. He scored nearly 700 runs and 90 victims in that, uh, that period. Played for Lanks for, for a fair old period. So tonight's guest, ladies and gents, is uh, the one and only Chris Scott. How are you going, Scotty? I'm all right, thanks, Jez. Nice to, nice to be here. Nice to speak to you all. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, thanks so much yeah. for coming on, Chris. Um, really appreciate it. And it's, you know, it's... We're doing this for a bit of a laugh and a bit of a joke and we're inviting lots of people on and we're so honoured at the various ex-pros, 
ex-cricketers that are coming on. And, you know, and to get someone like you on is fantastic. But, you know, we're doing this, we're doing it on Zoom and we're getting them out there because not a lot of people are working. And, you know, because of this terrible um, pandemic that's going at the moment, I know that it's, it's affected you personally, Chris. How are you coping? How are you with the, the COVID and your family? Yeah, well, uh, personally, my daughter tested positive a few weeks ago now. Fortunately, her symptoms were fairly mild, so she was okay. But uh, a, a very good friend of mine and a former colleague, unfortunately, passed away, aged 56, a uh, person I've known for over 30 years. And I know you knew him as well, Jez, very well. And uh, he was, I was working with him. Uh, we came on, we travelled backwards and forwards to Preston together every day. And he passed away on the 8th of April, Dave Groombridge. And uh, it's really hit me for six, and it sort of hit it on. So I think in the beginning, like most people, it was uh, it was something I didn't really get my head around right away. I thought it was for people who were older, who had underlying symptoms. But unfortunately, uh, Dave, uh, it was a very fit man uh, for his age, especially, and it just got him, and he, he was unable to cope with it. So it's it's been really sad, Jez, and it's uh, affected uh, me in uh, quite a big way, to be honest. Yeah, and, that... uh, I'll just reiterate the message: just look after ourselves and. And follow the rules. I know they're easing a little bit now, which is good news, but yeah. you know, listen to what's being said and follow the advice that's being given. Uh, it's obviously very important. Yeah, it's so sad, is that, uh, Chris? Yeah, you, you and Dave Indle, a good friend of ours, worked with, with groomers for a while, and, and you say he was never connected to the club. He, we used to play those old CID games on Thursday evenings down at the club, and I remember groomers coming down and playing a, you know, a few of those games. Couldn't yeah. play cricket for top, eh, but no, no. He no. was he was a real good guy, one of life's good guys. He always tried that bit extra for the people, the victims of crime in our town here, yeah. our town yeah. of Burnley. He always went that bit extra, Jess, and uh, he'd be sadly missed by not just by us, but obviously by his family, his, his wife and daughter. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, and our thoughts, obviously, for what it's worth, on the housecast go out there. And I'm really appreciate you, you know, you putting it out there, Chris. People will listen. And I'm sure, you know, they will, you know, they will have the same thoughts that we're having. Chris, we just want to go on to now, you know, a bit of a lighter note. And, and we're here now to, to try and make things a bit easier for the, certainly lower house cricket fans. And, and there's so many people listening to these podcasts now. And I can see them walking around the countryside in this great where they're giggling to themselves about what's going on. We have a little bit of a build up as we get to the, uh, to the cricket club and, I think it's important to say, you know, so many people from the club knew you and appreciated your playing, but I'm not sure people really knew, you know, what a great player you were and also what you'd done prior to coming to Law House. I, I did some research today. You played 75 games for, you were signed in 1975 for Lanx as a schoolboy. You played till you were, till 1982. You played 46 games, you had over 100 victims. Yeah. Can you just give us a brief resume about how you you know from 14 15 yeah. how you got into pro cricket how and a few little stories about that yeah of course i can um well i'll take you through it and uh, you can make what you will of it jazz but uh, you know take out the bits you, that we don't need but i at primary school it started as a 11 year old i was a school goalkeeper uh, for the football team and in the summertime we decided that the uh, our fourth year teacher uh, was going to have a cricket team. We're going to have a cricket side at the primary school. And because I was in goals, he said to me, "You know, you go behind the stumps." Now, as you know, I, I was quite tall for a keeper. I'm six foot, which is uh, you know, it's on the tall side. But I, I, certainly not now. But then I was 
I was quite a slim guy then, and uh, obviously I was only 11 at the time, and uh, I was quite agile, you know, being, in goal, being a goalkeeper. So that was pure and simple. There was no cricket anywhere in my family. My father played football, I had uncles who played rugby. No family members uh, had ever played cricket. So he shoved me behind the sticks, and I just took to it like, uh, you know, like a duck to water. I used to stand up uh, to the bowlers at 8-11. Uh, we got to the final, sorry, Jez. Uh, we got to the final of the primary schools competition. This is in Swinton in Greater Manchester, yeah. between Manchester and Bolton. We won this final and we played at the local cricket club, Clifton Creek, which were in the Bolton Association. And they spotted me and they asked me to go down. And I went down there as a junior, um, aged 11. So that's how it began. Right. And then from there, the Clifton Juniors then, we had a good young side. We played in a competition which then was called the Lord's Taverners. And it was eight aside. And so this is back in... Uh, the early 70s, so it's an awful, an awful long time ago. But it was uh, two batsmen batted as pairs. I, say, I think they're still the same kind of format goes on now in junior. And if you, whatever runs you scored, you divided by how many times you were out to give you a score, you, you know. And uh, we managed to get to an all England. We played at Old Trafford in a regional final, the junior Clifton under 13. And we got to the, the national final and we actually won it. And because I was a bit flashy and a bit showy offy, I, I got a lot of stumpings and uh, I man, won the kind of man of the series, you know, the player of the series, of the finals. Yeah. Well, that was me kind of on my road then. And so Clifton, you know, I, I mean, it, we've known each other a long time, Chris. I, I didn't realise that. So there's no one really pushing you. You've not no. got parents or... No one. What I will say about my parents, Jez, is they, I come from uh, you know, a hard-working family like most of us, particularly yeah. most at Lower House are. We're all hard-working families, aren't we? And uh, my parents, my dad and mum, they were, bless them, but they didn't have a lot of money. And back in those days, I was, uh, you know, it's quite an expensive sport to take up. It still is. But certainly then, when money was tight in the 70s and jobs were tight, and my parents really struggled to make sure... Because I progressed from there into the England schoolboy centre at 15. And of course, I was going away playing with lads who were public schoolboy background, some of them who were quite wealthy people. And my parents, bless them, I don't know how they ever managed just to get me a pair of pads or a, a bla pay for a blazer. It was a, an expensive thing back in there, you know. And, you know, I'll never, forgive, I'll never forget what they did for me. But they didn't push me as such, but they always supported me, I'd say that to say about it. I mean, that's come back now, Chris. I've looked, I looked at... I looked you up on Wikipedia and I've looked at other places and I do, I'd completely missed that. You were in the England setup, weren't you? Right up to... I was. I captain England under 15s. I first came against Stan actually in schoolboy cricket. Right. And we've had a, we've had a rivalry ever since. Uh, I met Stan, uh, we both, I didn't obviously know him at that time, but in about 1974, I would, he's a year older than me, Stan, and I know he looks a lot older than me, but... Chris, a lot yeah, in his ways and in the way he looks as well. But he, yeah. we played against one another. Uh, Stan represented North Lancashire schools under 50, and I represented South Manchester schools. I have, I have a scorecard somewhere with our names in. So um, I go back a long way with Stan. Yeah, so I managed to um, be noticed again, showing off really. I used to uh, think I was Alan Knott, you know, with my collar up and diving about. And yeah, I do remember. You remember those days, yeah. Do, yeah. And, uh, you know, and I got noticed, so, uh, yeah, that's where it all started. That's Sorry to divert you away there, gentlemen. No, no, Chris, that, that, is, that is ideal. That's taken us to, uh, to a good point because there are, you know, and again, I don't want to do too much talking here, Chris. I want you to, to tell us the stories. But I think it's, it's worth saying at this point, and I think it was Paul Stanley that mentioned it to, to Joe Benaducci that, you know, Chris, 
as a, as a player and as a member of the dressing room, was one of the most motivational and funniest people we'd ever played with. And I think I really can confirm that in his, you know, you're out in the field, you were completely different to the other amateurs we played with. You were different to the pros because they would, you know, they were getting paid, obviously, they had a big response. Yeah, they were. And they were, you know, a lot was relying on them. But sections of the game that you would just do something or you'd say something, you think, crikey, you can see where that ability's come from. And then I would also go on to what happened in the dressing rooms. You know, I, I was, you know, probably at me pomp a little, you know, I was probably 23, 24, 25, 26 when you were playing. So I was really keen to get out there and play. But I've never felt, oh, well, it's going to rain today or it's raining. I can't wait to get in the dressing room because Scotty will start singing, <laughs> he'll start telling his stories, he will tell, and, you know, and those things have stuck with me forever. So I'd like to just move on you know, probably 15, 20 years and just talk about an incident and we will come back to the the Lancashire and, you know, the time you had at Lancashire, the stories that you've got there. But we had a guest on a couple of weeks ago who, who was singing your praises but also talking about your long and hard and he, and he was Stan Eaton and he mentioned about a game at East Lancs. I was captain for that year. I'd only just um, joined the police and I couldn't. I obviously couldn't get off with these lengths away. Do you want to give us your version of what happened there, Chris? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I will say, I didn't captain Laura House an awful lot, but I never lost a game as captain. Laura, exactly. So you can't throw that in. <laughs> and, and I'd like to think that, yeah, uh, I was quite a positive individual. Uh, I had demons, there's no doubt about it. You know, in my mind, I did. I had these demons drop over me. And I think uh, most of us have... Any of us, or a lot of us talking here, will know that because it is a battle sometimes. It's, a, it's as much a battle with yourself as it is with the game at times, in, in, in most sports, certainly in our game. But that particular game, we were at East Lines, beautiful ground there, as we all know, and a, a big crowd, and they were a good side there. They were top of the tree or near enough. And of course, we were a little lower house, and we'd give anyone a game, but we didn't always came out, come out on the right side, as you know, Jez. We weren't yeah. through lack of trying and lack of effort, but... Uh, we never, you know, we sometimes just didn't quite get there. And uh, we were playing at East Lakes, and we, I think we batted first uh, from memory. I think Dodders were pro. Tony Dodder made was pro. Yeah. It might have been Cameron, but I think it was Dodders. And uh, I said uh, to Stan, before, the, before we went out to field, I think we had a competitive score. And I said to Stan, Stan, you've been captain of this club. Uh, I'm going to be busy, you know, with me keeping and keeping me on things. We just come at first slip, stand at first slip. And keep your eye on things in case I miss anything or you might want to, you know. And I said, I'm relying on you, Stan. I'm relying on you to be there. And uh, Stan said, yeah, of course, Scotty, of course. So I had him at first slip. The big following from Laura House. And they were at the, uh, as you come out of the dressing room, they were on the side screen side, on the left of the ground, behind the bowler's arm. Quite a big following, as we always do, from the house. And <laughs> so Stan's at first slip and everything's going all right. But for some reason, I couldn't catch the ball. Uh, the first uh, few overs, the ball was hitting me on the chest. I couldn't throw a, an overcoat on it. It was that bad. It was through, flying through past me. It was having a nightmare. And as I mentioned earlier, I was getting a bit wound up about this, letting myself down, letting the team down. When Stan, being Stan, he just wandered across to me from first slip and said, uh, Scotty, with his hand on his chin, he said, do you mind if I make a suggestion? Which was probably the wrong thing to say at that particular time. I mean, four guys just shot through me. And I turned on him. I won't use the language I use, but I put him in his place. I said, suggestion. I said, I'll make a suggestion. F off down to third man. I don't want to see you again. <laughs> and he looked at me like stunned, you know, like he does. Yeah. And I said, what? 
F off down to a third man. Yeah. I don't want to see you again for the rest of the afternoon. You, you yeah. can stay there. Yeah. And I can remember, uh, just my temper in the heat of the moment, you know, I felt bad later, obviously, but I can just remember a few balls later, the, catching the ball and throwing. And I just happened to glance around and Stan's turning to our supporters with his arms out saying, we all know what I've done. And he never let me forget it. He never let me forget. But we, we won the game. Yeah. And, uh, I did manage to catch a few later on, and I did. I think I did make kiss and make up with him later yeah. on. But uh, yeah, did. I mean, that's similar, very similar to what Stan has, uh, has said. Stan's memory. He would always chat to the fans. Would uh, oh yeah, would yeah. Stan. But I, you know, that was one of a lot of <laughs> memories between you and Stan. So Stan's going to come into the room now. Oh, you're joking? No, but it'll be fine. <laughs> we fall out. Before oh, we, I mean, we're good friends, me and Sam. You know, we are. You know, I think of him. I love him too. So what he's done with you lads there uh, with the house. Is, it's fantastic. What I'm going to do is I'm going to let him in now. All right, so I'll just... As long as you don't bring the barmaid in from Kettle Market later on. I don't want to know that. It's a family show. Well, none of that. The only issue here, Scotty, is Stan <laughs> rubbish at technology. This will oh. in 10 minutes to up. No, he did not connect. Do you know when you did the one with uh, Curtie? Yeah. That's sad. How was he with his with the computer? Then were he fine with it? No, it took him forever to get in. And then he said the oh. password was wrong. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden just appeared. I've given him a whole set of instructions. I wrote them out in block capitals. Scotty, Scotty, yeah. there's, also, there's also a running theme with Stan about how he's run loads of players out yeah. over the years. Yeah, yeah. And, and I, I was looking through your games um, previously, and there's a game where we played Baker at home. You yeah. batted at eight, he batted at six, and we were close. We lost by two, two runs, yeah. but yeah. you were run out. And, yeah. and you, you'd have been batting with him at the time, I would yeah. have thought, look at the scorecard. Yeah. So even if you can't remember, or even if it weren't his fault, will you make some of it up? Yeah, of course I will. <laughs> yeah, he's here now, isn't he? Stan. He's on mute. He's on mute. All oh, right. Well, someone text him. Right. There we go. Oh, he's sorting it. Hello, lads. Hey there, Stan. Hey. Hey, Stan. Can you hear me? There he is. Yeah. Can you bloody believe it? <laughs> Hi, right. Can I just, um, again, I'll... Jesus. Twice, yeah, we'll have to ring you back. I'm on a podcast. That was a bit title, I think, wasn't it? That's going to be a no. jingle. jingle. <laughs> no, leave it. Stan, Stan, leave it connected. Just have a chat with you. We won't record it. <laughs> I think I can unmute him. You can. Am I there? Are you, am I on? You're on. Hey, Sam. Listen, do not put that on because it could lead to gross violence. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'll tell you what, this is battle of the uh, of the foreheads, isn't it? Stop <laughs> being tell you what, I knew them footpaths when they were, or should I say, I knew them motorways when they were a footpath. Nicky and Charlie, Frank and Stan got stuck in a horse loop. Right, uh, everyone. Scotty, I know you think we probably hijack you here, but we've got a secret <laughs> guest. Welcome, Stan Heaton. Stan, how are you going? Good evening, everybody. You'll have to forgive me. I am uh, a quadruple dark rum and coke, a large glass of red wine, a small glass of sherry, and two disarronos into the evening. So I hope I can hold it together. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm sure you can, Stan. We've got Chris Scott on. He's, he can't wait to have a chat with you. What have you got to say to Scotty? Chris, it's absolutely great to hear from you and to see you. I've just been watching your propaganda program on the television, the anti-government propaganda show, known as <laughs> for 40 years. No doubt you've been absolutely rubbing your thighs in delight at the stuff they're coming out with, anti-Boris. No doubt we'll get onto that subject because we normally do. I'm yeah. sure we will, I'm sure we will. Scott, how do you want to welcome Stan in one minute? Well, hiya Stan, it's good to see you. Uh, we go back a long way, don't we, pal? And We're you're the reason I ended up playing for Laura House, if you remember. But apart from the fact you used to run me out on a regular basis, including at Bay Cup one time. Well, it's because remember. you never moved your feet. It's like, it's like Laura House, never moved his feet. <laughs> we, we can't see you, Stan. I'm not sure that's a bad thing. This is Moto E, whatever that means. Bill White, brown hair. <laughs> right, well, we can't see you, but we can hear you. Joe Benedict's got a little. <laughs> Stan, is your camera on? Yeah, let me have a go. I keep getting it. Host, host has disabled participant screen sharing. You nasty thing. Uh, <laughs> join audio. Well, you can hear me, can't you? I keep getting Moto E3 up, which I think my mobile is interfering with. Me. So I'm going to. Are you at services? I'm going to turn off the big screen and rely on my mobile. Yeah, I, I can't see anything I can let you in. Uh, let's have a look at participants. It's it's down. It'll be Stan's needs to click. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe, that's just that's stereotyping. <laughs> and looking at your hair, I'm going to be the only one with a head of hair in the next. Yeah, it's not showing Stan with um, with any video. Let's. Right. Well, I can see everybody else. Right. So, Stan, Stan, if you tap on this, uh, if you. Click on it, then you should get a menu up at the bottom that says start video. Well, well, Gaz, I'm actually on my, my computer, which hasn't got audio for big fit, and I'm on my mobile, which has got both. What am I tapping? Well, if you're on your mobile, um, if you tap the screen, you get a menu up at the bottom. Yes, I have. Start video. <laughs> that was crossed out. I'll tell you, there's something different every time. It's good to see you embracing technology anyway, Stan. Scotty, <laughs> oh, don't you stop. Surprise, you Luddites, you, you socialist Luddites, I'm surprised you allow technology. Am I in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we can see you. We can see you, we got you. Cheers, everybody. This is Cheers. <laughs> so we've now got Stan Eaton in. Stan and Chris, I was in the dressing room with them for a number of years. What characters, what the only way I could describe them, fantastic mates that fell out constantly. <laughs> Non-stop bickering, arguing, <laughs> fighting about the, the minuscule little things to the biggest, you know, the, the, the main political incident that was going on at that time. What I want to do, Stan, is welcome to, to Scottish Podcast, and let's remember it is Scottish Podcast. Let me just talk through a little bit with Scottish life at Lancashire. He's, he's talked to, to us about how he got there, playing at Clifton, born in Swinton, getting there with, with just sheer hard work and ability. So, Chris, you've got into Lancashire, you're getting yourself established. You're, you know, you're yeah. good out playing second team. Yeah, 15 when I made my debut for the second team. 15. Brilliant, so, brilliant. Just talk us through the transition. That was at Ermston uh, against Northumberland. Uh, yeah, and I was frightened to death, but I managed to do okay. And then I left school, I went, uh, I didn't do brilliant at school, but fortunately they offered me a contract and I went straight from school to Old Trafford on the staff as a 
a young kid, 16-year-old. Um, and I, 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 I was lucky enough to make my debut at 17. Uh, I played at Oxford University in May. That would be May 77. I was uh, 17. And at that time, the youngest wicketkeeper to play. I think probably still am, but certainly at that time I was the youngest keeper to play. Right. Uh, the problem I had, Jez, as you know, with me batting, me batting was never up to it, you know, if I'm honest. Uh, I could block for England, but I, I couldn't score a run, you know. And uh, I, so it was all very well when my keeping was going well and I was doing okay, which I was, you know, from my schoolboy career into the first team and on the edges of the first team, the keeping was going well. But when it wasn't going so well, which happens when you're playing regularly, you know, you have off days, you have off days. I didn't get the runs to be able to myself around you know and uh, I think that ultimately um, was the issue with myself and why I didn't play for longer than I did I don't think the keeping was ever the issue really if I I say so myself Uh, it was the fact I was a a bit of a liability with the bat really and it was at that time when keepers needed to be a bit more than just a keeper you know it'd be coming like they are now all rounders and important role yeah so you're, you're talking there late 70s you're breaking into the first team yeah. Getting yourself, you know, established, and you know, we all understand what you're saying about the batting side of it. But the bottom line is, you know, you're there as the, the first class wicketkeeper at Lancashire. Yeah. What other players were playing then? You know, what, what? Well, when I, jo- I joined the staff, Farouk Engineer uh, had been released that year, the year before. You know, so I came on when I when I was getting established was '77. Farouk finished end of '76, and John Lyon was the first team keeper. And as, uh, as as Joe knows, and as we all know, uh, being a keeper, it's me, uh, you know, there's two on the staff, maybe three. So if he gets injured, it's like a goalkeeper in here. The, the number one choice gets injured, you're, you're in with a chance of playing. And that's basically what happened. But it was John Lyon, if you remember him, he was a St. Helens lad who became first choice when Farouk left. Uh, he's unfortunately passed away now as John, but uh, he was a good guy, uh, quiet guy, good keeper, very neat and tidy keeper. But he fell out of favour. Uh, David Lloyd was captain at that when I first started, and David Lloyd was was after they'd been the old guard had done well in the early seventies under Jack Bond and won Gillette Cups and won uh, one day a great one day side with Harry Pilling and, and that you know Clive and great names, great teams. We probably grew up watching them a lot of us. I know the younger lads won, but we certainly did our age. Yeah, and David Lloyd was keen to kind of bring in some new younger blood, really, and that's how I got my chance. Uh, and in 1980, I started the season as first choice keeper. And up to August, I was actually leading the uh, statistics, you know, the leading uh, keeper for that season. And that was probably me as good as it got, really, uh, 1980. That's when uh, I broke my thumb. Uh, Imran Khan broke my thumb at Old Trafford. I went in as night watchman. And him and uh, Garth LaRue from Sussex were really quick. Imran Khan had been a little trundler. Uh, before then and he came back and put on about three yards of pace three or four yards of pace and he frightened me to death and uh, he pinned me thumb against me about broke me thumb and that finished my season that particular year and if I'm honest with you I never really got back to that same level so 1980 Chris you'd have been 20 20 I had a yeah 20 going on 21 I turned 21 in September so yeah I was 20 during that okay I mean I don't want to because this fascinates me and I'm, I know it will Joe Martin but the vast majority of other listeners. One of your many stories in Lowrice dressing room when it was raining was about you padding up as a night watchman. Was that the the yeah. game in yeah. when you were twenty, or was that? Uh, yeah, that was the game when I broke my thumb. That was when uh, I uh, I went in uh, on the Saturday night. They got three hundred and plenty. 
yeah. we were a good side at that time. In that, you know, we were in that transitional period. As I say, the older players were just getting over the top. Your Barry Woods, your David Lloyd, Frank Hayes, great players. But they were just going over the top, and us younger ones, we just weren't quite ready. Majority was Graham Fowler went on and did very well, and then Neil Fairbrother came a little bit later, and he stepped on again, if you remember. But we weren't a good side at that time. We struggled. And uh, I went in as night watchman against Sussex at Old Trafford. And uh, I managed somehow to survive the Saturday night. They got 300 and we were in a bit of trouble at, say, 30 for three. I was in as night watchman and managed to survive. And in those days, on the Sunday, you played a John Player League game, uh, a 40-over game on the Sunday. Yeah. And we went back Monday morning uh, to carry on. the. Th- I didn't play in the one day. I was uh, left out because of the battle. But went back on the Monday morning and in the next beforehand, we were... Uh, throwing a tennis ball at me. <laughs> what are you doing there, Stan? <laughs> drinking a bottle. What's he drinking there? Antifreeze. <laughs> oh, bottle. <laughs> and uh, I was ducking uh, and diving in the nets and, and practicing. And about the third ball, I got hit by him and, and broke my thumb. Yeah. And uh, it was bent straight back. You know, right. Obviously a mess. And I went to, we had a private clinic in John Street. And uh, I was quite glad to get off, to be honest. <laughs> and I went to this... Uh, private clinic on John Street in Manchester, beautiful place, and I'm sat in the waiting room, and my thumb's throbbing like mad, it's bent backwards, it's a right stay, and they go over to Old Trafford on Piccadilly Radio, and uh, over to Matt Proctor for the latest at Old Trafford, Sussex v Lancashire, Sussex. and Matt Proctor says, Lancashire are in all sorts of trouble here, they're 65 for seven, Chris Scott's retired hurt, but the word from the dressing room is, he might bat later on, and I'm sat there in the waiting room, and I'm thinking this lady, I've got my whites on, it's just like an escape from a lunatic asylum. And I'm sat there, cricket whites, and this surgeon say, oh no he isn't, he ain't going back, there's no way he's going back. I said, no way, he's not going back, he's not going back. Anyway, I got back to the ground, and they put this big brace on my thumb, like a big splint, and I look, God knows what I look like. And Graham Lloyd was only a young lad, and he was sat in the dressing room, and they wound me up and said, you're going to have to go out, Scotty, we need you, we need to save the follow-on, you're going to have to go out. And they had me padded up with my left hand behind me back. Graham Lloyd, size four bats, his child bat, in the dressing room, throwing tennises at me. And I'm looking out of the way. And you've got Imran Khan and Garth LaRue bowling about 90-odd mile an hour. And uh, it was all a wine. And I fell for it. Up line and so, uh, that, was, that was the kind of humour I grew up with, you know. So, that uh, was the story, Chris. And, and I mean, yeah. Stan, I'll bring you in in a minute just about that story. <laughs> Honestly, Joel... Joe Martin, I mean, Dooch as well. But if there was a break in play, in a, you know, in the first team in the Lancashire League, we'd go into the dressing room and it would be, let's throw a ball around the dressing room, let's get the cards out. Stan or Andy Mack would say to Scotty, come on, Scotty, tell us what... Uh, the story. Scotty, You're all true. You're all true. I'm not in the mood. I'm not in the mood. <laughs> but eventually, and he would, that story he's just told now, it would take him an hour and a half to tell it. And <laughs> <laughs> you're doing actions and everything. Gordon! Gordon! Send more house to save the house! 